You are on the line, live on ESPN, 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports, 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Monday edition of the show. Monday, April 4th here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Hope everybody is doing well. Beautiful Monday here in Auburn. I know the weather tomorrow is supposed to get pretty nasty around here, but today it is beautiful. It's nice and We've got a lot to cover on today's show. Trevor is back in the studio with me today. So he is taking your calls all show long. I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. If you got anything going on on your mind in the sporting world, I want to hear from you again. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Zero two. Lots to talk about. Final four over the weekend. National championship game tonight. Some Auburn basketball news. Just regular basketball news. There's a lot to cover on today's show. So again, if you want to call in, I do want to hear from you. Anything on your mind going on in the sporting world. But let's jump right into it. The final four over the weekend. I previewed it all last week. It was all over national media, right? It was all over national media about how legendary it was going to be, and it was. It lived up to everything. It lived up to all the hype of last week, right? It, it, it was so awesome and so much fun to watch the Final Four over the weekend. Of course, Kansas and Villanova squared off in game number one, and then in game number two, it was North Carolina and Duke. But the first game, look, the first game was good, and it was a good game until – coming down the stretch where Kansas just really asserted their dominance on Villanova late in that ball game and really just you know they had a steady lead and then they just kind of extended it out to end up beating Villanova there in game one that kind of went how I expected it to go especially with Villanova having some of the injury problems that they were having I really thought it would be a competitive game and I think it was I I think it still was competitive enough but Kansas gets the 81 to 65 victory and I said it last week especially on Friday I said Kansas is just playing their absolute best basketball right now and the difference between Kansas and Villanova is Kansas was healthy and they're playing their best basketball and Villanova since they were not as healthy they couldn't be playing their best basketball and they may have with the with the players that they had but you could see the difference in the two teams on Saturday afternoon Saturday evening between Kansas and Villanova I I watched most of this game on my phone I was at the gymnastics meet on Saturday the NCAA regionals Uh, hosted by Auburn this past week and over the weekend so I was there on Saturday the gymnastics team they took second in their regional final Florida took the first they just came out and and just dominated everybody Auburn had I know this is kind of going off a little bit but Auburn had they started that final meet 
on bars and how it worked was the regional finals that Auburn hosted and that final meet on Saturday there was four teams it was Florida Auburn Kentucky and Denver and the top two teams moved on to the national championship meets coming up I believe it's next week in Fort Worth and so Auburn started on bars which is normally one of their better events. We've seen SUNY Lee get a 10 on bars already this year. The team had a bad rotation. They did not score anywhere near their season average when it came to bars, and they were able to overcome it. They got second at the meet. They move on to the NCAA championships in Fort Worth. Florida came out and beat everybody pretty good, but Auburn, despite the bad rotation on bars, they picked it up. SUNY Lee had another 10 on or on the on the afternoon and Auburn was able to overcome it get second and move on to the NCAA championships but my point is the first final four game I watched most of it on my phone because I was at Neville Arena watching the Auburn gymnastics team qualify for the national championships but I did catch I would say 80 to 85 percent of the first final four game between Kansas and Villanova but you know Kansas was up 40 to 29 at the half and then they outscored Villanova 41 to 36 in the second half. So it was really, you know, just wire to wire for 40 minutes. Kansas was just the better basketball team. And I think Kansas just has more weapons. They had more weapons when it came to scoring the basketball. When you look at it, their bench didn't do a whole lot. They only had five points off the bench, Kansas did, but they didn't need it. McCormick had 25, Abaji had 21, Wilson had 11. Braun had 10 and Harris Jr. had nine. Those are your starters. I mean, that adds up to 76 points and five others come off the bench. And Kansas, you know, they shot extremely well. And I mean extremely well, especially from three, which definitely was the difference. Kansas shot 50, almost 54% from the field. They did shoot 54% from three, which is unbelievable considering they shot 24 of them and they made 13. That's unheard of. And I don't think you're going to see that again tonight from this Kansas team, but I like this Kansas team to continue their offensive dominance tonight. And we'll get into more of that in a little bit. But Kansas is not going to shoot, and no team will shoot 54%, 13 of 24 consistently from game to game. That's just unheard of. But credit to them and credit to the Jayhawks. They attacked Villanova, and they got into a scoring run. And we talked about it on Friday how Villanova plays that brand of basketball or they can go either one, right? They can run up and down the floor or they can lock down defensively. They can either try to play the 80-80 to 80 game or they can try to play 50-50. to 50. And I think Villanova got kind of caught because their offense struggled. They did their best, but when a team is shooting 54% from three and they knock down 13 of them, I mean, that's pretty tough. But when you look at Villanova... They did fairly well themselves. They knocked down 13 threes of their own, but they shot 31. So they shot 42%, which is still extremely well for a, uh, for a team to shoot 42% from the three-point line as a team. But then you look at Kansas, and they did 54%. Unheard of. And Villanova as a whole, they shot 39%. Not great, not horrible for a team overall. And Villanova scoring 65 points, a lot of times this season and in the past, 65 points for Villanova is good enough for them to win not just basketball games, but to win national championships. This Villanova team, like I said, 
They don't have to score 80 to 85 points a game if they want to win. 65 points a lot of times is good enough for this Villanova team, this Villanova program, right? Neither team shot too many free throws. Uh, Kansas shot 13, Villanova shot 10, so not a whole lot of issues there. And turnovers were very minimal, 9-7 to in favor of Kansas, but it really just came down to Kansas was able to score. I mean, it's, it's dumbed down and bad as this sounds, Kansas was just able to score more than Villanova. I know that sounds, you're like, really? But it's true because, again, Villanova, they're okay to score 65 points because they trust their defense to be able to stop the other team to score 60 points, right? But this Kansas team coming into this game offensively, they were just clicking too much and they just had it rolling, man. They, they, it seemed like at times they couldn't miss. They were dominating on all cylinders throughout all 40 minutes of that game. And when you look at Villanova, their scoring was pretty spread out across their starters, but they only had three points off the bench. And, you know, if you're Villanova in this scenario, maybe you look to somebody off the bench to try to get you some more points. But both of these teams, it was kind of crazy. I didn't expect this for both teams to be so heavy on the starting five when it came to scoring the basketball, but they were. And at the end of the day, Kansas just was just able to score and be more dominant on the offensive end. And they overcame the Villanova defense. They overcame that style of basketball that Villanova likes to play. And now, now you see Kansas in the national championship game. They're a four and a half point favorite tonight. The Jayhawks are over the North Carolina Tar Heels, who played in an absolute barn burner, an absolute historic game in the Final Four. It was hyped up all week long by myself included, not just me, by all the media across the entire country, across the world. This game was hyped up, was supposed to be the greatest thing, one of the best Final Four games you're ever going to see. Coach K in, in North Carolina going at it one more time, right? Coach K trying to win a national championship in his final season. North Carolina, they beat Duke once. They're trying to do it again, right? All of the narratives you heard all last week to build this thing up, put this game on a pedestal, and it, and it lived up to it. It did. It was everything we wanted it to be and then some, right? This game was as good as it gets when it comes to not just Final Four, but when it comes to Duke, North Carolina, when it comes to just college basketball in general, this game lived up to the hype. And both teams were able to score. You saw some defensive stops at times, but at the end of the day, it came down to North Carolina just playing better ball. They were playing better basketball. At halftime, it was a 37-34 lead for Duke. And you thought, you know, this really could go either way. And what did I say last week? I said when these two teams meet up, throw out the records, throw out the stats, throw out everything, because when these two teams play, more times than not, nine times out of ten, this game's going to come down to the wire. And it did. North Carolina gets the 81-77 to victory over Duke. They knock out Coach K. His career is done. And the Tar Heels, as an eight seed in the NCAA tournament, are going on to play in the national championship game tonight against Kansas. Anybody wants to call in, give me your thoughts about the Final Four, anything else going on, I do want to hear from you. Trevor's taking your calls, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. 
And when you look at the stat breakdown between Kansas or excuse me, between North Carolina and Duke in this matchup, it, it really came down to North Carolina's three point shooting. It came down to the Tar Heels being able to step out and knock the three ball down in the half court offense, in transition, and that sort of thing. When you look at it, when you look at the field goal percentage, I mean it's almost identical. They both shot just about forty two percent from the field. But the three-pointers is where the difference was. Duke went 5 of 22, which is 23% as a team. North Carolina went 10 of 26, which is good for 38.5%. They knocked down five more three-pointers than Duke. That's 15 points. They only won by four, but they hit five more three-pointers than the Blue Devils. And that's what North Carolina has done during this tournament. They have found themselves, they've established their game plan, and they know where their strengths are. And that's what they attack, and that's what they go after. And that's exactly what they did against Duke. Turnovers weren't really a problem. Duke, surprisingly, only had four turnovers, which is unbelievable. North Carolina had double digits. They had 10. Rebounds, North Carolina out-rebounded Duke 50-41. to 41, So you've got to look at that number as well to say, you know, extra possessions, right? That's what rebounds mean, extra possessions. And you saw North Carolina do that a couple times, but... When you look at just the players that made their impact and put their presence into this game, Caleb Love for North Carolina put the team on his shoulders, put the team on his back, whatever you want to say. He had 28 points. He shot 11 for 20 from the field. He had he, he did have one assist to four turnovers, so I do want to point that out because you know how I feel about assist-to-turnover ratio for anybody. Now, Davis had four assists to one turnover so that's what you like to see but again this is the same scenario as we saw in the Kansas game where North Carolina's offense just carried them because Duke still scored 77 points folks Bancaro had 20 Moore had 10 and then off the bench you saw Trevor Keels the guard coming off the bench for the Blue Devils he had 19 points he had he had the game of his life he shot eight for 14 and had 19 points for the Blue Devils, knocked down a couple threes, and the Duke Blue Devils, they, I mean, this game was back and forth, right? I mean, it was back and forth all the way down to the wire. Some free throws extended it out, but at the end of the day, it was back and forth. For 40 minutes, it was as good as it gets. It was exactly what we hoped for. This matchup brought everything we wanted and everything we could have dreamed of in a North Carolina Duke game, and it delivered. And now North Carolina, first-year head coach Hubert Davis, after taking over for Roy Williams, is heading to the national championship game. He knocks out Duke, knocks out Coach K. Uh, Of course, we all know what the situation was during the game, before the game, everything. We know everything. And it's kind of crazy to see now that Coach K is officially gone. Like, this whole season we knew – Okay, this is his last year. Next year, he won't be in the in the game of basketball, yada, yada, yada. But now he's out. He's officially done. And it hasn't truly set in yet, I don't think, for a lot of just average basketball fans. And what I mean by that is people that aren't just like diehard college basketball fans. It'll be weird once next season starts when Coach K is not around when he's not at Duke when there's another guy at the helm 
right? And I think that was the scenario for North Carolina when Roy Williams retired. But now it's Hubert Davis who has taken this team, who at one point in the season, North Carolina was down and out. There was, I mean, there were projections, and it was accurate, that this North Carolina team wasn't even going to make the NCAA tournament. There were projections, and their record showed, and the way that they were playing showed, that this North Carolina team was struggling to make the NCAA tournament. And now look at them. They came in as an eight seed. They've beaten everybody in front of them. They beat the number one seeded Baylor Bears in their bracket. They came through. They beat the Cinderella story of St. Peter's. They beat UCLA, the four seed in their bracket. They've beaten everybody in front of them. And then they get to the final four. They take on the almighty Duke Blue Devils, the almighty Coach K in the two seed. And what do they do? They took care of business. They handled their business again. And now Hubert Davis and North Carolina have a chance at a national title yet again, yet again against another blue blood in Kansas. I'm telling you, this Final Four, it lived up to everything that we could have hoped for, everything that we wanted, especially myself. I, I enjoyed every second of it, especially the Duke and North Carolina game. And, I mean, these kids just, I mean, they balled out, man. They, they played so hard and so good, and... You see it after the games, how emotional the kids are, how emotional the coaches are, just how much being in the Final Four means to all of these programs, all of these kids, and you love to see it, man. You really do. And so now you've got the national title game tonight. It's Kansas and it's North Carolina, 8.20 Central Time on TBS, kind of a later tip, but especially for Central Time folks, I mean, that game's not going to be over till, you know, 9 30 or well it starts at 9 30 so it won't be over till 11 30 it's the final four so it's going to be drawn out so that's not going to be over till midnight eastern time that's kind of I don't know that's kind of ridiculous if you ask me I think you should probably should probably move it up a little bit so people can actually stay up and watch it and not be miserable going to work tomorrow and kind of shocked also that it's on TBS and not CBS it used to be on CBS you know a regular broadcast channel and now it's on TBS so the people that don't have cable or anything like that they can't access it, so that's weird as well. But North Carolina and Kansas, eight seed versus one, national championship tonight in the men's game, 820 Central Time on TBS. The spread right now, Kansas minus four and a half. So for those of you that are not aware of betting lines, Kansas minus four and a half. The Jayhawks have to win by five for them to cover, and North Carolina can lose by up to four points. They can win or lose by up to four points, so – that's a fantastic game, obviously. The spread, not too sure, but we're going to preview this game on the other side of this break. But the Final Four, it lived up to everything. It was exactly what we wanted. Couldn't have asked for anything better. Maybe a, I mean, a buzzer beater in the Kansas game, sure, whatever. But the games were awesome. They lived up to the hype, and I'm glad they did. You're listening to On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Stay tuned. We'll preview the national championship game next. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Monday edition of the show. Just a few more minutes before we head to the 2.30 break. If you want to call in, give me your opinion about anything going on in the sporting world. Basketball, Auburn, uh, 
Masters. We got the Masters coming up this week. Anything on your mind in the sporting world, I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Trevor is impatiently waiting on your phone call. So please call in. I want to hear from you. Anything on your mind in the sporting world, call in. I want to talk to you and ask you, you know, ask me some questions. Anything on your mind, give us a call. Talking about the final four that went down on Saturday in New Orleans. It is over, and the national championship game is upon us. It is tonight. It's the eight-seeded North Carolina Tar Heels, the one-seeded Kansas Jayhawks in New Orleans. For all the marbles, for the trophy, for everything like that. And as of right now, I said before the break, Kansas is currently favored by four and a half points to beat North Carolina with the total being 151 and a half. So according to Yahoo, I use the Yahoo Sports app quite a bit and they give you the live odds and they also give you an implied final score. And with all the numbers, they say the implied final score will be 78 to 73 and a half. So they're, they're looking for some points, right? They're looking for some points, but both of these teams can score. Both of these teams can score. And when you look at how they played on Saturday, they gave up some points, but both of these teams scored 81 points. Literally, North Carolina and Kansas both scored 81 points. Just looking at it, I like the over of 151 and a half. I like both of these teams to score tonight because that's what they do best. I talked about it. Kansas, that's how they, I mean, they asserted their dominance on Villanova. They beat the the hard pressure defense of, of Villanova by just scoring the basketball, just being better offensively. And that's exactly what they did. And North Carolina, the same thing. Just knocking down threes, shooting the ball extremely well. Both of these teams shoot lights out. They score a lot. They like to get out and run. They don't force a lot of turnovers, but they don't commit a lot of turnovers either. So I look for this to be more of a half-court game. So that's where maybe you can not see as many points. But what it comes down to tonight in this matchup between Kansas and North Carolina, which team continues to stay hot shooting the basketball? Shooting the basketball behind the three, mid-range, and in the half-court offense. Which one of these two teams stays hot? And because when you look at it, both of these teams came into this tournament. People didn't really know what team was going to show up. Nobody thought North Carolina had a chance to do anything. Kansas being the one seed, you said, yeah, you know, they're a one seed. They, they're going to do their thing. They've got a shot to make it to New Orleans. They were in Auburn's bracket. They were the one seed out of Auburn's Midwest bracket, right? And you just didn't know especially from Kansas and North Carolina, obviously, you didn't know what offense was going to show up from these two teams. You didn't know what team was going to show up in general. And these two teams have caught fire. They have picked it up in this tournament. And that's what has put them in the national championship game tonight, 820 on, on TBS. That's what's put them in this game is their offense. They, they can play defense at times, but that's not what they hang their hat on. They are... We are going to outscore you, and we're going to do it by putting up 80 or 85 points, and we're going to shoot the lights out. We are going to run our offense, and we are going to score no matter what defense you throw at us. And I think that is going to that's going to make for a fantastic game tonight. I still think tonight is going to be a great game. I don't see a blowout. 
on either side. I think this could be a a great 40-minute basketball game. Maybe somebody pull away late if one team doesn't shoot the ball as better as better or as good as the other team, right? I don't see these two teams shooting lights out from the three like they have been, especially Kansas who shot 50 something percent from the three-point line. Will we see both of these teams knock down double-digit three-pointers like they did in their first game in the Final Four? Maybe. I don't think so. I think the offenses, one of these teams offensively is going to slow down. I think it's going to be North Carolina. I think North Carolina, they may have a little, you know, a little hangover from beating Duke on such a big national stage. Their offense has caught fire throughout this tournament, but we know what they were before the tournament, right? Kansas... They've dropped a couple games here and there throughout the season, but their offense has been there all year. And I think they play good enough defense, the Jayhawks. I think they play good enough defense to where they're going to be able to slow down North Carolina, make them a little uncomfortable. And at the end of the day, I just think Kansas is the better basketball team. Now, you could make the argument that North Carolina is playing better than Kansas. You could make that argument. But... Are they playing better because of who they beat in the Final Four? And that's why I think people are sleeping on this Kansas team. The betters obviously aren't. The betters like Kansas out in Vegas. They love Kansas right now. But I think a lot of fans and a lot of maybe even basketball analysts are sleeping on this Kansas team because of all the hype that's been around this North Carolina team because of them coming off of beating Duke in the Final Four. I think that could really hurt North Carolina they very well could take all the momentum from that game and bring it in tonight and blow Kansas out of the gym they very well might but I don't think that's the case I really don't I like Kansas in this basketball game I like Kansas to win tonight Mm, I'm trying to think on if Kansas covers or not that's a weird line for me especially with these two teams I'm not going to choose that because I don't know but I do like Kansas to win this game tonight And I do want to make it a point. I had Kansas and North Carolina from Friday. I made the picks for the Final Four. I did not have these two teams in my national championship game on my brackets. There ain't no way I didn't have that. But on Friday, I made my predictions. I had Kansas and North Carolina. I liked North Carolina to continue their good play to beat Duke. They did. I liked Kansas to just dominate Villanova. They did. And I like Kansas tonight. I really do. I like the Jayhawks. I think North Carolina slows down just enough on offense, and Kansas plays just enough good defense to where they're going to be able to slow down North Carolina. They're going to put up their points, Kansas will. And then defensively for the Tar Heels, I think they're just going to be they're going to be too tired, maybe. You know, I don't know if that's the word I'm looking for, but I think their their magical run will come to an end. I like the Jayhawks tonight against North Carolina. Not sure about the spread, okay, but I do like I do like Kansas to beat North Carolina again. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. It's going to be a great game, okay? I expect it to be down to the wire. Maybe some free throws for one team to pull away late. Maybe Kansas pull away by seven or eight. North Carolina, I think, is going to struggle to shoot the basketball as well as they have been. Kansas won't shoot it as good either. But I like Kansas offensively to take over North Carolina tonight. Give me the Jayhawks for the national championship. You're listening to On the Line.
Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Monday edition of the show. Monday, April 4th. Happy Monday to everybody out there. Appreciate everybody tuning in to the Monday edition of On the Line. If you want to call in, give me your opinion about anything going on in the sporting world. Ask me a question about anything sports related i do want to hear from you trevor's waiting to take your call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 we've been talking about the final four that went down this weekend the national championship game that will be played tonight down in new orleans i've got kansas beating north carolina tonight to win bill self his second national championship for the jayhawks But let's try to transition a little bit from the national college basketball stage to to Auburn in general because there is some some Auburn news that happened over the weekend down in New Orleans um, for the Auburn basketball team. Walker Kessler, of course, the one of the best shot blockers in the entire country this past season for the Auburn Tigers. He was officially announced as the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year. That's the biggest award you can win defensively the Naismith trophies are all of the the big time trophies Walker Kessler he wins defensive player of the year he was the second leading shot blocker in all of college basketball this season playing in the SEC they realized his his dominance inside the paint not only did he block shots but he he altered shots and he he made people readjust when they came into the lane I mean, his presence in the lane and in the post defensively, it, I mean, it, it it altered people's shots, but then it also prevented people from even coming in the paint, from even coming in near him. I mean, people and teams began to not drive the ball in there. Well, I guess for a time, they they did not want to drive in because a seven-foot-one Walker Kessler was just going to swat it away because he had gotten so good at not – jumping at ball fakes or at shot fakes he would just stand on the floor with his hand in the air and he would just wait on you to shoot the basketball and then he'd swat it out of the air grab it do whatever because he was taller than everybody else now we saw as the year went on especially late in the season Walker Kessler on the defensive end teams started to figure out how to adjust to him right they started to pull him out of the post defensively because he had to guard somebody that could shoot and he had to come out and defend them they started sometimes they would go right at him and try to get him in foul trouble and we saw a couple times late in the year where Walker Kessler got in foul trouble early and he had to get taken out of the game so of course he can't have an effect if he's sitting on the bench but then we also saw it at times kind of affect him mentally a little bit kind of got thrown off of his game maybe rattled him a little bit maybe some frustration at times as well when he got in that early foul trouble and he just it seemed like at times he struggled to pick back up where he left off where he had gotten in foul trouble early in the first half or whenever it may be but bottom line the guy is still a fantastic basketball player he's still a a a fantastic presence in the post he is a dominant force defensively and that's why he is your Naismith Defensive Player of the Year. He won that trophy over the weekend. Oscar Shibway from Kentucky won your Player of the Year. So that was sort of 
sort of known that that was going to happen, but Oscar Sheboy wins player of the year, but Walker Kessler wins defensive player of the year. And then, then he makes the announcement that he is grateful to Auburn. He loves everything about Auburn. He will always love Auburn, but he has declared for the upcoming NBA draft. And this was, I don't want to say expected because last week when we were talking about it, he was still 50-50, right? He was still 50-50 on what he wanted to do, either go to the NBA and test his waters in the draft or come back to Auburn and play another season. The reports were that he was 50-50 on whether what he, or what he wanted to do. And when Johan Traore, the five-star center recruit that was originally committed to LSU, decommitted because of all of their issues, and then recommitted, he is now committed to Auburn, I said that that would probably be the, the, the pushing factor, you know, the extra little nudge that Walker Kessler needed to say, okay, it's time for me, it's time for me to go and go to the NBA. And, and that's what happened. And, and so Walker Kessler, he wins Defensive Player of the Year. He declares for the NBA draft he will go and test the waters. He is still projected as a first-round draft pick so far. And so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I think it could still be taken late first round, possibly early second round. The one thing I don't want to see in this scenario is a situation like Sharif Cooper, who ran off to the NBA because he was told you have really high draft stock. And I think a lot of people believe that. I think he believed that. And then he fell extremely hard in the draft and didn't get that money he was looking for. He's still battling, trying to get into the league consistently So I don't want to see that in Walker's case. Not saying it will, but again, it really just depends on what a specific team needs. If there's a team that is looking for an extremely tall defensive center, then yeah, they're going to go after him. But at the same time, we know, especially as Auburn fans, we know the, the sort of limitations that are are on his game right now I think he can develop and be a fantastic player but again going back to the conversation of coming down the stretch of this season we saw teams be able to not only control his defensive presence but also be able to control his offensive presence by again bringing him out and just shutting him down and and they would not even they wouldn't even really guard him extremely heavily we saw teams pressure Auburn's point guards to where they couldn't get the ball to Walker Kessler and because obviously the game plan was get the ball from the point guard up to Walker Kessler who's standing right by the rim so he can throw it down that was Auburn's game plan all season long and if you remember I've talked about it yeah I talked about it when Noah was still here I said when Auburn was on that big game winning streak and it seemed like the pick and roll, the high pick and roll with Wendell Green and Walker Kessler was unstoppable, I said, run that thing until they figure out how to stop it. Run that play until somebody can stop it and figure out how to stop it. And for a while, that's exactly what they did. They did that. Walker Kessler was getting triple doubles. He was having 15, 20-point games. Life was good. And then 
And then teams started to figure it out. They said, wait a minute. Walker Kessler only gets the basketball when he's standing by the rim and the point guards dish it to him. Well, let's just pressure the point guards because they can't they can't get out of pressure. That's exactly what they did. And we saw Walker Kessler almost become very limited at times in the offense for Auburn. And so that's not on him, right? That's not on him. I'm not talking bad about him. I really like the guy. I'm happy for him. I would have been happy either way. If he would have said, I want to come back and play another year, I would have said, all right, let's go. But when he declared for the NBA draft, I said, good for you, buddy. Go get your money. Go get developed better than you ever will at Auburn. Go get your money, right? And that's what that's my biggest thing, especially with Walker Kessler, is he needs some development still. He needs some work. He needs to put on a little weight. He needs to be able to shoot the basketball a little bit better from the perimeter because that's what the NBA wants now. That's what is that's what works in the NBA. That is what they are looking for is a center who is dominant under the in the paint under the basket, can grab rebounds, alley-oop, that type of thing. But they also want a center that can step out and knock down the three-point shot. Nikola Jokic from the from the Denver Nuggets, Joel Embiid from the Philadelphia 76ers look at Giannis you know he can be a four or five but the dude is he's extremely tall and athletic but he can still step out and shoot the three-point shot Anthony Davis he can shoot the three-point shot so when you look at the 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 star NBA centers in the league they can all step out and shoot the three ball and not that Walker Kessler can't shoot the three or not make the three he can but one for four is not what the NBA is looking for from a center. One for five, maybe, um, from your center position shooting the three-point shot. And in, in Auburn and in college, he's not going to shoot the three four or five times. He's going to shoot it twice, maybe three times, and you know maybe knock one of those down. And so he's not going to develop that game in Auburn because they're not going to let him develop that game because that's not what Auburn wants. That's not what Auburn needs. Auburn doesn't need a center like Walker Kessler, who's 7-1, to shoot the three-shot, the three-ball, the three-point shot, right? They want Walker Kessler down low, and that's what they used him for. So Walker going to the NBA, he will develop his game so much more and so much faster than he ever would by coming back to Auburn. So I'm extremely happy for Walker. I think he can be a very good NBA player. Again, he's got to put some weight on, got to get a little bit more development, And if he goes to the right team, I think he can be a very, very good, impactful role player on an NBA team for a long time. I'm not sure if he's going to be a a long-term starter in the NBA, but you never know. You never know. But I figured this was coming with the Johan Traore news last week, and I think it just made the most sense for Walker to go. So I hope he goes. I hope he gets drafted high, as high as possible, get his money and um, Auburn is extremely thankful to have had him I know we enjoyed watching him play in an Auburn uniform because I mean the guy the guy was good and he seemed to be a class act especially playing at Auburn so good for him he is off to the NBA draft no word on Jabari yet he has not made an announcement I'm sure it is coming uh, fairly soon you know I, I think it will probably be any day now that Jabari Smith will go to the NBA that's that's just a whole different scenario where I mean I'm gonna be honest folks I don't see any reason for Jabari to not go to the NBA I mean he's projected top three minimum in the NBA draft he 
a potential, maybe dark horse at this point, number one overall pick, but he is going to be a number three overall pick in the NBA draft. He is going to make millions of dollars. He will be an immediate starter on an NBA team. He can shoot the ball lights out. He's going to be your Kevin Durant type of player. I think a little bit more beef on him could help him out a little bit. But at the end of the day, his shooting is really is, is what's going to carry him through his entire NBA career. So I don't see any reason for Jabari to want to come back to Auburn. I mean, not, not want to come back, I guess. That's not the right terms. He may want to come back, and he may want to be at Auburn because a lot of athletes do like playing at Auburn. When they come here, they enjoy their time on campus with their coaches, friends, whatever. But if for a basketball and career standpoint, I don't see any reason to come back to Auburn if you're Jabari Smith. I think you got to go. Go get your money. Go do what you got to do. Go get paid. Go get developed. And go and try to be the face of an NBA franchise. I just think Walker is – Walker – for Walker – it could have been either way, but I think he should go, and he is, and I think Jabari should 100% go to the NBA draft. If you have any thoughts on this, anything else, I want to hear from you, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Talking a little Auburn basketball news, Walker Kessler wins the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year over the weekend. He then declared for the NBA draft. He will not be returning to Auburn but his replacement, Johan Traore, the five-star center who decommitted from LSU, is on his way to the Plains. Again, no word on Jabari yet if he's going to the NBA, but I think he will. Um, I think he will. I think he should, again, just to kind of reiterate those points there for you real quick. Um, yeah, I mean, those guys, they got to go. But I'm really excited for Johan Traore. I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again. I think he will be a very good player for Auburn. I think he will be a, a very impactful player for Auburn, whether he plays the four or the five, if they're going to kind of rotate some minutes between him and Jalen Williams. Um, I When I think about it, though, Jalen is not the guy I want starting at center more times than are getting more of the minutes at center just because of his height. I know he's, he's an athletic guy. He gets rebounds. He can shoot, right? But He's a very undersized center in the SEC. I like Johan Traore to get most of those minutes, but next year's roster is going to be small. Okay, let's just let's just go ahead and, and get that out there. The roster on this team next year for Auburn is going to be smaller than we've seen in quite some time. Yeah, you're going to have Dylan Cardwell coming off the bench. I don't see him as a starter. And I mean, there, this is going to be a very short team compared to what we've seen in the past, especially this year with Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith on the team. So Johan Traore is going to come in and have to do a lot of things for this team, but I like him to be that guy. I like him because of his ball handling, his playmaking, his shooting, his scoring. Um, I, I think he can be a very, very good player for Auburn. I think he will be better than Walker Kessler in the point of his impact on the team. Yeah, I know Walker had those games in that stretch where it seemed like he was dominant, and he was. Okay, there's there's no doubt he was. But people were able to figure out how to play him and defend him because he was very one- or two-dimensional. Whereas, yeah, Johan Traore, I think, can do so many different things. And I talked about it last week, how you're going to be able to feed this guy on the three-point line, on the high post, on the free-throw line, on the low block, on the extended corner, right? 
You're going to be able to feed this guy in so many different areas, and he can create his own shot, create his own scoring opportunity, whereas with Walker Kessler, it took a point guard coming in and lobbing it to him, just throwing it above everybody else for him to be able to score. And so that's why I think Johan Traore will be a better and more impactful player on this Auburn team than Walker Kessler. But that's nothing against Kessler, okay? I, lo- I love the guy. He, he did extremely well for Auburn. But I'm just saying, with Johan Traore's skill set being more broad, or I guess being wider than Walker Kessler, I think his impact on this team is going to be incredible uh, next year and for years to come if he decides to stay. But him coming to Auburn, I think, had to have been the last little nudge to Walker to say, all right, it's time to go to the NBA. But... Either way, Auburn is going to be okay in college basketball. They will, I mean, they're going to restack and they're going to be just fine. So we will see who else commits and what this team is going to look like once we get into college basketball season. But we still have a little ways to go until Auburn gets back underway. Let's take a break. We'll come back and wrap up our number one. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Monday edition of the show. Just a few more minutes before we wrap up our number one, but make sure you stay tuned. Our number two will be on the other side of the break at 3 o'clock. We have Jacob Hillman on at 3.30 of the Auburn Sports Network. We go 91.1 FM sports director and the AU Jungle president. He'll be on to break down... Auburn baseball and softball from this past weekend. Auburn baseball picked up their series win at LSU this weekend. Auburn softball drops the series one and two to Florida at home this weekend. So we will have Jacob Hillman who gets some play-by-play reps for both of those teams. He'll be on at 3.30 to break down everything that happened over the weekend from Auburn on the baseball and softball diamond. So again, he'll be on at 3.30. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Been breaking down the Final Four, the National Championship, a little Auburn basketball news here in this first hour. Phone lines are still open. Give us a call. I want to talk to you, Trevor. My producer over there, he is impatiently waiting for your call, so he wants to talk to you, and so do I. We want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Anything on your mind in the sporting world, I want to hear from you. Let's talk about it. 334-321-1390. Just a few more minutes before hour number one wraps up. And I do want to talk about the transfer portal and specifically in college basketball because I had talked last week about how LSU is going through their their business when it comes to college basketball. And they are going through it right now, waiting on the NCAA to release their their punishments and everything on the LSU basketball program. And I brought up the point last week because I saw this stat and I just couldn't believe it, how LSU now has nobody on their roster, on their basketball roster, on their basketball team that is in scholarship. There's not a single scholarship player on the LSU basketball team anymore. Two of them declared for the NBA draft. Everybody else transferred out. Three high-level commits decommitted from LSU. Of course, one of them, Johan Traore, has committed to Auburn as of last week. But with everything going on in Baton Rouge against the LSU basketball program, they do not have a single scholarship player on the roster 
Everybody else has transferred two into the NBA, and everybody else is gone. And that brings up a point that I saw. I was reading an article over the weekend, and this stat, it was kind of crazy, and it shows what the state of college basketball is in and college athletics in general, is that since the new rules were put in in 2021, right, you get the one-time transfer rule type thing, right now, and this was as of like Friday or Saturday, so this could be a little bit more, but... As of, I believe it was Friday. So as of Friday, in college, men's college basketball, there are over 1,000 men's college basketball players in the NCAA transfer portal. That is, I mean, that's wild to me. That is just unbelievable how many players are in the transfer portal right now. They're in it. They are in the portal, out there floating around, waiting to go somewhere. That's the state of college basketball, man. It is. It's a crazy scene out there. Not only do you have to recruit in high school, you got to go recruit the transfer portal. It's a whole new enemy out there, whole new ball game. Hour number one, it is done. Stay tuned for hour number two. You're listening to On the Line. You are on the line, live on ESPN, 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports, 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Monday edition of the show. Monday, April 4th here in Auburn, Alabama. Sun is shining, not a cloud in the sky. That's going to change in about, I don't know, about 12 hours or so. Weather's supposed to roll in to Auburn late tonight, early tomorrow, and it's supposed to be nasty around these parts, so everybody stay safe tomorrow. But not today. It's beautiful, nice and sunny. Can't ask for much better weather here in Auburn, Alabama. I appreciate everybody tuning in. This is On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Phone lines are open for all of our number two, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Trevor is over there waiting on your phone call. I want to hear from you. Anything going on in the sporting world that you want to talk about, Give me a call. Let's talk about it. I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Trevor, over there on that top row on that computer, click that Making Headlines for me real quick. Making Headlines. Our good buddy Noah, that's still his little voice on the Making Headlines, but as we start out hour number two every single day, Making Headlines, there's a lot of headlines to go on and go over from this past weekend of course the men's final four kansas defeats villanova north carolina beats duke in the final four on saturday we have a national championship game tonight it is the eighth seeded north carolina tar heels and the one seeded kansas jayhawks if you had this matchup in your bracket props to you i did not i don't even know if i had any of these teams in my final four i think i maybe had villanova in my final four um I definitely didn't have North Carolina Duke maybe in one or two and then Kansas I think I had Kansas losing too I'm gonna be honest so you know I I really didn't have 
these matchups definitely didn't have Kansas and North Carolina in the national championship game. So if you did, props to you. I did not. But after two fantastic games on Saturday in the Final Four, of course, Kansas beat Villanova by 16 points on Saturday in game number one. And then in game number two, North Carolina in a barn burner, 81-77 to over Duke. Coach K officially done. It's, it was, this was obviously, as everybody knows, his his last hoorah, his farewell tour. He falls to North Carolina again this season. They lost, of course, Duke lost the season finale at Duke. North Carolina came in, won that game. And then last night, North Carolina beats Duke again in the Final Four. I saw a lot of people talking about how this would tarnish coach k's resume forever and that this would haunt him forever that he lost this final four against north carolina yes he obviously wanted to win and he wanted to win and beat north carolina especially but let's slow down a little bit on on that take because look coach k is still one of the most legendary coaches to ever coach the game of college basketball and not just college basketball basketball in general he was the the team USA Olympic coach for a long time and I mean he he's just a legendary basketball coach and so yes would it have been storybook for Duke and coach K to go and win the national championship in his final year yeah absolutely but it's the NCAA tournament it's not that easy right it's not it's not always as it seems the best team doesn't always win and and, and most of the time let's be honest the best team throughout all of the year in college basketball, how often does that team actually go on to win the national championship? Yeah, it happens. Baylor last year, you could say that they were the best team in the nation last year all season long. They went on to win it. But this year, it was Auburn for a while, and then it was Gonzaga coming into the tournament, and Gonzaga lost in the Sweet 16. And then after that, Duke was the heavy favorite to win the national championship from the sweet 16 on and now they lose in the final four and so that's why college basketball and the NCAA tournament is so unique and it's so different than everything else and anything else because you never know you truly never know who's going to win it all and what we know now is it's either going to be Kansas or North Carolina that game is tonight 8 20 central time on TBS kind of a late start i talked about that to start the show back in the first hour it's kind of a late tip off especially for center for eastern time but you know it is what it is so 8 20 central time kansas the one seed and north carolina the eight seed will battle it out in new orleans for the national championship game tonight i i broke it down in hour number one who i thought was going to win this game and why if you missed any of the show today just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded today immediately following the show. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. And I talked about it and I broke it down and I said Kansas will win tonight. I have Kansas winning the national championship. I have them beating North Carolina. They're favored by four and a half. And you know what, Trevor? I'm going to take it. I'm going to take Kansas minus four and a half. I think Kansas offensively is too dominant. I think North Carolina slows down a little bit. I'm going to take Kansas by five or more to beat North Carolina tonight in the national championship game. But moving on into making headlines, the men's national championship game is tonight. 
but the women's national championship game was last night. South Carolina from the SEC, they win the national championship. They beat the almighty UConn and the South Carolina Gamecocks women's basketball team. They are your national champions in the college basketball world, the women's college basketball world. Awesome to see from the SEC and South Carolina. They have really become just a dominant force in women's college basketball. And that's what you kind of see when it comes to the women's NCAA game of college basketball, where it's really one or two teams that just dominate everything. You know, maybe a, a few teams that have a chance, but, you know, obviously for so long it was UConn. And UConn was just, I mean, just unbeatable, literally. They were unbeatable for years and years and years. But I think you're starting to see it switch a little bit. Stanford was really good this year as well. But South Carolina has really, really asserted their dominance in the women's college game right now. So South Carolina, they win the national championship last night. They beat UConn. They are your national champions in the women's game. So definitely wanted to... Shout them out. That's big-time news, especially for the SEC. It's the best conference in all of sports, man. SEC, I mean, it just means more, right? The SEC, that's all they do is win titles. No matter what they're doing, they just win. They win all the, all the way around. And so I did want to shout out the South Carolina women's team. They are your national champions in the, the women's college basketball game last night. Moving on and making headlines, Auburn basketball news, Walker Kessler wins the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year Award. He was the second leading shot blocker in all of college basketball. He was just a, an unbelievable presence inside the paint defensively for Auburn all season long. He is your Defensive Player of the Year. That's the highest honor that you can win on the Naismith level. You, you know, when it comes to winning awards, you can win the Coaches Award or the AP or whatever, but the Naismith, the Naismith Awards, excuse me, those are the ones that you want to win. That is your best of the best. So Walker Kessler wins your defensive player of the year from Auburn. Oscar Shebway from Kentucky, he is your player of the year. So those two guys, again, SEC, they win those two awards in New Orleans over the weekend. And then after that, Kessler declared for the NBA draft. So he is now going to the NBA. He's going to test his waters there. And he will not be returning to Auburn. Of course, the reports late last week were he was still 50-50. He didn't really know what he wanted to do, whether he wanted to return to Auburn and play another year of college ball under Bruce Pearl, whether he wanted to go and test his waters. He's projected in a first, a late first-round draft pick in the NBA draft. But with the commitment of Johan Traore, the five-star center who decommitted from LSU, now coming to Auburn, I think, and I've talked about it already, but I think that was the extra little nudge to Walker that said, okay, it's time to go. He is now going to the NBA. His replacement, Johan Traore, the second highest ever commitment in Auburn history, is coming to replace him. So happy for Walker Kessler. Much deserved on the awards that he won this season. He is going to test his test his um, his luck in the NBA draft and no word yet on Jabari we have not heard anything from him yet I would assume that would be coming in the next few days he very well should go I agree that Walker Kessler should go as well so we'll see we'll see how that goes but again Walker Kessler going to the NBA draft he will no longer 
be playing for Auburn. So Auburn, I know, appreciates everything he did in his one year here. He transferred from that North Carolina team, of course, you all know. He was on that North Carolina team. He transferred to Auburn, and he did wonderful things. So happy for him and happy to see him going to get that money and get paid, like I like to say, because when you have the opportunity, I think you got to go. Some more Auburn basketball news. He was a former Auburn basketball player, but Devin Cambridge, he obviously entered the transfer portal. I actually missed this commitment, and then I saw it the next day. He is playing for Arizona State. He committed to play for the Sun Devils. So, I, I had again, I didn't see it until it was like a day after. I don't really know how I missed it, but yeah, Devin Cambridge, he transferred. He's going to play for Arizona State out in the Pac-12. He will be playing in the Pac-12 after dark games uh, on ESPN and stuff. So happy for him. He obviously did a lot for Auburn. He is a freak of an athlete. The guy can just jump out of the gym and brings a lot of energy to whatever to, to whoever he plays for, whatever team he's on, whatever rotation he's in, whenever he steps on the floor. Devin Cambridge is, I mean, he's just a phenomenal basketball player. He's a phenomenal energy guy. Uh, he just goes all at it, rebounding the basketball, highlight real dunks. We've seen so many times, you know, off the backboard and behind the back, alley-oops, all kinds of stuff from Devin Cambridge when he played at Auburn. He will be missed. Um, his three-point shooting may not be missed, but I hope he improves on that because he, he has shown in the past that he can knock down the three-point shot. Um, this season for Auburn, he definitely struggled with the three-pointer, and I think that hurt him and his minutes in this rotation on this team specifically. So hope to see Devin Cambridge get his three-point game back, but I hope he's able to go out there and, and make an impact for Arizona State. So I saw that news over the weekend as well. One more headline for you here in making headlines of the first segment here on On the Line. Uh, phone lines are still open, okay? Just a reminder, phone lines are open, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Anything on your mind in the sporting world, I want to hear from you, so give me a call. One more headline, it's Masters Week. The Masters is upon us, the best and greatest golf tournament in the history of the sport. All season long, it's the best tournament over in Augusta, Georgia. It is officially Masters Week as of today. Today is Masters Monday, the practice round going on in Augusta. Tiger Woods, of course, the the talk of the town in Augusta. He went and had a practice round over the weekend. Said he felt really good in that practice round. Some people that watched him and played with him said that he looked really good. He He almost looked like a normal Tiger Woods and they were just kind of shocked because of everything he's been through of course with the car accident his leg was I mean borderline shattered and he was able to come all the way back get recovery get healthy and it's still up in the air they asked uh, you know reporters asked him about it um, and he said it's a game time decision was his quote that he used he said it's a game time decision whether he will compete in the Masters, but he is there. He is on the grounds in Augusta. He will go through the practice rounds today, tomorrow, and Wednesday, and then will make a, quote, game-time decision on whether he wants to compete on Thursday, Friday, and try to compete for the weekend and get another green jacket at the Masters. Look, here, here bottom line is Tiger Woods, if he feels like he can go, he needs to go because – the game of golf 
is so much better when Tiger Woods is walking around on the grounds. Even if he doesn't play well, even if he doesn't make the cut, even if he doesn't make it to the weekend, golf is better when Tiger Woods is there. And everybody wants to see Tiger. Everybody just wants to see him healthy because for a long time after his car accident, it was it was going to be a miracle for him to even walk again, for him to even think about picking up a golf club again. And there, you know, there were different articles and things that, you know, talking to him about it. And he was just, you know, wanting to literally just wanting the ability to walk again and maybe just play with his kids, you know, that type of thing. I I don't think anybody really thought he would ever be able to come back after that gruesome of a car injury and compete in the game of golf again. And it's crazy because it seems like years ago we had this conversation back before he won the 2019 Masters and everybody was saying, it's crazy how everything he's been through, he came back to compete and win another Masters. But yet here we are and we're having the same discussion on whether he can come back and compete at the highest level because let's be honest, the game of golf right now is so competitive. There's so many young guys in the game that can just flat out hit the golf ball and can play so good with their irons or putting like crazy. The game of golf is in great hands, in good young hands as well. We're seeing a lot of new names over the past six to eight, even 12 months come into the name or come into the game of golf, excuse me, who have just sprung onto the scene and are going to be lighting it up at Augusta this week. And so for Tiger Woods, the questions are, A, can he even play a full four days of golf after practice rounds? Is he physically able to do so? B, is he able to compete at that high level with all of these young guys? And we've seen to where you don't have to hit the golf ball 350 to 400 yards, right? Some guys can, you know, Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka and those types of guys, they just step up and just absolutely rip the golf ball. But you see guys like Kevin Kistner a couple weeks ago in a golf tournament. He was extremely outmatched hitting distance-wise, but his location and his accuracy was so good that he's able to compete. We may end up seeing that somewhat from Tiger, but the videos and pictures coming out of Augusta today I mean, they're saying his his rotation when when swinging and hitting the golf ball is just unbelievable for a guy that not only his age, but what he's been through. Because, I mean, he is older, okay? A lot of these guys are 10, 15, 20 years younger than Tiger Woods right now that are going to be playing at Augusta this week and weekend, right? So they're saying that the rotation of him hitting the golf ball, swinging the golf club is is really impressive. So... I hope he doesn't overdo it. I hope he's able to go and play because, again, no matter what golf tournament it is, everybody thinks it's better and golf is better when Tiger Woods is there and golf is even better when Tiger Woods is good. And not saying he will play good because we have no idea, but I hope he's able to go and play this week. He's there. He will be participating in the practice rounds. And, again, Quote from Tiger Woods, it will be a game-time decision on whether he competes in the Masters starting on Thursday morning there at Augusta. I wish I could go back. I went the 2019 Masters, the year that Tiger Woods came back and won it. I was at the Monday practice round, so I was there on this day 
three years ago. Got to see everybody play. Got to see Tiger play. Got to see the grounds at Augusta. It was just unbelievable sight. Um, no pictures because you can't take your phone. You can't take your phone. Uh, can't take your cameras. And I like it that way. I love it because everybody's walking around and just taking it in because it is the, the pictures and TV. I know how good it looks on TV and stuff. It doesn't do it justice. I promise you. The grounds, the grounds crew and the grounds themselves at, at Augusta, it's just an unbelievable. They do a fantastic job. It's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I do want to go back for a tournament round eventually, uh, but you got to enter the lottery, you got to win, or you got to pay thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars to get in. And uh, let's be honest, I don't have that. So uh, I would love to go back, and I just I, I can't wait for the tournament. I'll be talking about it all week long because it's just such a fun tournament to watch. And, I mean, it brings out the best in the best. And it brings out the worst and the worst. We've seen it over and over again at Augusta. But it's officially Masters Week. There's a lot going on in the sporting world. But don't let it overshadow that the Masters is going on this week. We'll keep you updated. And, I'm, I mean, you're going to be able to hear um, when Tiger Woods makes his decision. Uh, there's no shot that he doesn't play. The only reason he wouldn't play is if he truly feels that physically he would not be able to go. But if he's on the grounds and he's practicing, chances are Tiger Woods is going to compete in the Masters. But we will see. We will see what happens come Thursday morning, the first round of the Masters tournament there in Augusta. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll have a few more minutes before we have Jacob Hillman on. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Monday edition of the show. Just a few more minutes before we head to the 3.30 break. When we come back from that break, we're going to have Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network and we go 91.1 FM sports director to break down the baseball and softball series from this past weekend for Auburn. Of course, baseball picked up a big-time series win at LSU this weekend. They won on Friday, lost Saturday, and then won yesterday no excuse me they won Thursday lost Friday and won Saturday softball they hosted the Florida Gators over at J&B Moore Field here in Auburn and they dropped that series one and two to the Gators so Hillman my good buddy he will come on and talk about everything that went down uh, for baseball and softball also kind of tell us what's going on during the midweek for those two teams so make sure you stay tuned for that he will be on in just a few minutes after we go to the 3:30 break phone lines are open right now they'll close when he is on but then they'll open back up so if you have anything on your mind want to ask me anything or just call in and talk about some sports i want to hear from you 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 if you've missed any of today's show, just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. I'll upload it immediately following the show at 4 o'clock. So just search on the line wherever you get your podcast if you've missed any of today's show. We've covered a lot so far on today's show. Talked about the Final Four over the weekend. Preview the National Championship game tonight between Kansas and North Carolina. I have Kansas beating North Carolina tonight. Trevor, my producer, who you got tonight, man? Let's see. I kind of like Kansas. I think Kansas is dominant in this tournament. Yeah. 
Kansas. I like Kansas offensively, man. I really do. I like Kansas. I think North Carolina slows down a little bit. I got Kansas. Yeah, I had Villanova originally. I actually have the Final Four correct. I just had Villanova Duke. Really? That Interesting. was my Final Four. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, I just wanted to see what you had. I want to see. So you've got Kansas. I like Kansas, too. Um, I like Kansas to be Villanova. So uh, we talked about that earlier. Talked about Walker Kessler winning Defensive Player of the Year. He declares for the NBA draft. I would assume Jabari would would declare any day now. Um, he will not come back. And Walker going to the NBA, I would say because of Johan Traore. I know he was still kind of on the fence of what he wanted to do, but there's just no uh, – there's almost little to no doubt in my mind that Traore committing to Auburn was the final nudge for Walker Kessler to say, okay, it's time for me to go. Talked about the transfer portal. There's over a thousand men's college basketball players in the transfer portal. Uh, LSU, a big, a big reason for that. Their entire team is gone. Uh, two guys committed to the NBA, or you know, declared for the NBA draft. Everybody else transferred due to uh, the the ongoing problems down in Baton Rouge and the uncertainty of what is going to happen to to LSU down there. So they are all in the transfer portal. Uh, and then just, you know, talking about some making headlines. We've been previewing the Masters a little bit. So it's been a good show. We've covered a lot. But, again, stay tuned. Uh, we're about to head to break in just a few minutes. And then on the other side of the break, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will be on to to talk about Auburn baseball's big-time series win on the road at LSU this weekend. He'll also talk about Auburn softball and they dropping – their series against Florida this weekend. He was on the call for a couple of go- a couple of those games for softball. So we'll ask him a little bit of everything when he comes on in just a few minutes. The scores from this weekend for Auburn, they're currently 19 and 9, the baseball team that is. They're currently 19 and 9 overall, 5 and 4 in conference play. They have UAB in the midweek. We'll ask Hillman about that when he comes on. But the series against LSU who is ranked, by the way, they're a top 15 program. Auburn beats LSU on Thursday, 6-5. to five. They lose on Friday, 9-2. to two. And then on Saturday, they get the series win by a score of 6-4. to four. And when you look at it, the bats were rolling. Again, they scored six runs in the first game, only two in the second game. So that one kind of got away from them. And the pitching kind of hurt them in that game as well, giving up nine runs. But then in the game, the third game, the – the, the the deciding game for the series, Auburn put up six runs yet again. They give up four. I mean, math adds up to me, six to four. That's a good win, if you ask me, for Auburn. And a road series win against a ranked opponent in the SEC for this Auburn baseball team is is really impressive, and it's something that the Tigers needed, especially coming off of the – excuse me, coming off the Jacksonville State loss in the midweek, they lost to JSU at home by a score of 5-2. to two. And so, you know, yeah, there there's some people that would say, well, it's just a midweek game, it's out of conference, it's baseball, those games happen. But at the same time, there was people that were saying, you're playing Jacksonville State at home, that's a game if you're Auburn, you got to win. That's a game that you need to get your team right, you've got to win that to go on the road and have some confidence in yourself. But they didn't. They lost that JSU game, but they showed that it didn't matter. And they beat LSU again by a score of 6-5. to five. They lose 2-9, to nine, and then they win 6-4. to four. They have UAB in the midweek. 
That's in Birmingham, so they'll have to go up there. That's tomorrow before they host Vanderbilt, who fell in the rankings a little bit, but they're still a top 15 program. They will come to Auburn this weekend to face off against Auburn baseball. Stick around. We'll have Jacob Hillman on the other side of this break. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Monday edition of the show. Just 30 more minutes left before we get out of here at 4 o'clock, but make sure you stay around because Bill Cameron and Dan Peck will have the drive from 4 to 6 right here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. But first... One of our good buddies, our good guest here on the show, Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network, Weagle 91.1 FM Sports Director and AU Jungle President, joins us now here on the show. Jacob, how's it going, man? It's going well. Thanks for having me on as always, Jacob. Of course. Well, lots to talk about with Auburn baseball and Auburn softball. Let's first start with the baseball team. They go down to Baton Rouge from Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. They get the 2-1 series victory Break it down for me. What'd you see, and uh, how did Auburn get the two-one series win? Yeah, it, it was just a big weekend to really continue the the road tiger trend that that's been going on. Four consecutive road SEC series wins dating back to last season when Auburn defeated Georgia and Missouri on the road, and now defeated Texas A&M and LSU on the road this season. It's just really nice to see this team continue to to improve and and build on what's working. I think that the bullpen is finally figuring things out. Of course, you had the game two loss where things got a little out of hand, but that's going to happen as this team continues to build things up. And you just look at what uh, uh, what the starting rotation is turning into with Hayden Mullins. Uh, then you have Trace Brighton, Joseph Gonzalez finally returning back from injury. That looks to be a solid crew that I think there might be some rearranging uh, by who starts on what day. But that, that that was like a great three uh, threesome, and then you have Carson Skipper and Blake Burkhalter out of the bullpen that have worked really hard and have found that improvement. So with the pitching, I think it's getting there, and it's just going to take those weekends where you don't have a blow up game like you did in Game Two in Baton Rouge. As far as the offense goes, that's great still. I mean, I, I don't think there's really anything to add to it. Sunday to share, he had his first home run in 15 days, and it felt like he had been hitting home runs. So. It's really nice to see uh, things like that happen. You know, a streak that doesn't feel like a streak or a drought, I should say, and he's he's back on track. Well, I'm glad you brought up the pitching because that was my next question. You talked about the starting rotation, but as a whole, where what's the pitching situation like there for Auburn as as the season rolls on? What's the pitching situation like with injury and the starting rotation and everything like that? What's the situation right now? Yeah, right now it seems like everyone is back, uh, getting back to full health with Gonzalez and Parker Carlson back and getting action. So as far as the rotation goes, I don't know exactly what the plan uh, could look like because I think that what the ideal situation coming into SEC play was Joseph Gonzalez on Friday with Trace Bright on Sunday, and at that point, still hadn't figured out that third starter. I think right now it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious that it should be Hayden Mullins. So. Now it's to order that. That I think is the biggest question is, will that be Trace Bright on Sunday? Because I know they really like Bright on Sunday. But from there, 
do you put Gonzalez on Saturday or do you put him on Friday where he can go kind of righty-lefty-righty throughout the series? And I don't know because I think Hayden Mullins has performed well enough. I mean, especially coming off uh, that scary situation against Texas A&M where he got hit in the head. He bounced back against LSU and had a nice performance. They might keep him as that game one starter and just who knows until until something happens or until Gonzalez is back to really full strength. I'm not sure if he was 100% on on Sunday, or or yeah, I would assume he was, but it's hard to say. I think he had a great performance that could lead him back to that Friday starting spot. Talking to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network and Wego 91.1 FM Sports Director, how big was it that Auburn baseball was able to go on the road and beat a ranked LSU team and get the series win? They win six to five, they lose two to nine, and then six to four. How big was it for this baseball team to go on the road and pick up a ranked SEC uh, series win? Yeah, it's absolutely massive, especially with how everything is unfolding in the SEC. The top of the SEC, I don't know if it's teams eating each other alive, or maybe it's just a little bit weaker than it usually is. So Auburn's in a position where they're coming off two consecutive road series wins against a Vanderbilt team that's lost two consecutive SEC series. That That's big uh, this upcoming week. Now, obviously, you have UAB tomorrow that is first and foremost uh, after losing a midweek last week. So that, that that's the big thing is, first of all, go, go to Birmingham, get a win against those Birmingham-Auburn fans that uh, don't get to see Auburn baseball all the time. Then next is, can you get a – series win against a top 20 team in the country in front of what will likely be a uh, top five most attended series in Auburn baseball history with 8A this weekend. I think that, that that's just a huge deal for momentum and what the outlook is for this team. If Auburn gets a series win this week along with a midweek win, Auburn will be ranked next week. That, 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 that is where I think things stand. I think they were borderline going to be ranked this week, but also you got to look back to the Ole Miss series and losing to Middle Tennessee State, and I, th- I think the, the voters are still holding out a little bit until they can see Auburn at home perform. Well, I'm going to be honest. I, I've talked about it. Uh, I kind of previewed it a little late last week, but I said for Auburn at home, I know it's, it's a tough task, but against Vanderbilt, I said get one win. I think if Auburn gets just at least one win against a, a very right. good Vanderbilt team on your home, your home field, I think that would be successful, no? Oh, absolutely, and I think you know. With the like I said, I, I mentioned winning two out of three. Uh, that, like you said, that you're going for one, but winning two out of three would be massive, just with the momentum that Auburn has and the lack of momentum that Vanderbilt has right now. So I think that's the outlook. You're you're, you're taking it one week at a time and trying to win the week. So that, I think that's the outlook for Auburn baseball right now. Talking to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network and Wego 91.1 FM Sports Director. We're talking about Auburn baseball, let's transition into Auburn softball, the team that was at home this weekend. I know you had some opportunities to be on the call and on the broadcast for this softball team. They hosted the Florida Gators over the weekend, Friday through Sunday. They won on Friday, 3-1. to one. They dropped the game on Saturday in a, just a, an outstanding game, 7-6, to six, and then they lose on Sunday in the series finale, 3 to nothing. What did you see and uh, what happened? Yeah, yeah. We'll start, we'll start with the positive on Friday and how this team really played well defensively, and, uh, and and obviously the offense came through when it needed to most with home runs from Aspen Godwin and Nelia Peralta. But as far as uh, as far as the next two days go, 
you know, it was a matter of some of your best and most reliable hitters so far this season not coming through. I believe uh, uh, it, it was Lindsey Garcia, Jesse Blaine, and Bree Ellis. They combined for one hit this weekend. That, that's not going to get it done in SEC play, especially against one of the best pitching teams in the country. I mean, uh, Lugo and Hightower for Florida were exceptional this weekend, and they, they really did a good job at holding Auburn at bay. And like I said, Friday night, they did that, but Auburn had the timely hits and the big ones that gave them the win. The next two days, the offense wasn't there. I mean, even in game two, when you lose by one with six runs, it wasn't until that last inning that Auburn made a rally to make that a close game. It, 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 was, a, it was a little bit too late for Auburn uh, as they acted. And I thought it was a good momentum for game three, but they came out and kind of did the same thing that they did at the beginning of game two. I'm not sure what it is. The lineup is being changed up a lot and moved around after earlier in the season when it was pretty set and solid, but then when the errors started to be an issue, and then obviously Denver Bryant goes down. Things, things had to be changed, and I think that there's still some time to really settle into a lineup you like and, and go from there, but right now uh, Auburn's still trying to figure out what to do on the offensive end. In the series finale against Florida, Auburn softball, they lost 3-0. to zero. I'm looking at the schedule up and down. That's only the second time all season long that this team has been shut out offensively. Right. Is, there, is there room to worry, or is this a, a scenario where, you know, it's just baseball, it's just softball, and the bats just weren't working? Yeah, I look at it from uh, that latter standpoint where the bats weren't there this weekend. But you're all, like, like I said, you're also going against, the I would say, the premier defensive and pitching team in the SEC in Florida. I, I don't think there's a team in the SEC that's better uh, pitching from a pitching staff standpoint as well as defensively as the Florida Gators. It, it was it, it was really a display that they put on, especially on Friday and Sunday, other than the two home runs the Tigers hit. So I, I, I think that you just you went up against the you went you went cold at the wrong time against one of the best teams uh in the country in that standpoint. So a little bit of both of Florida just being really good and Auburn not having it this weekend. And so the Georgia State game in the middle of the week, is that a game that, I mean, I, I would assume that Auburn softball would expect to win, but in your eyes, it is at home. What do you expect from that matchup uh, on Wednesday at Jane B. Moore Field? I, potentially more experimentation with the lineup. I think that you're going to end up, you're going to see uh, probably Maddie Pensa out there as she's been so dominant lately. And with that midweek, you want to keep her going, keep her rolling, keep her in a rhythm. But you also might see Shelby Lowe. She was only able to get out. Of, she got the save on Friday night, but then she started on Saturday and just didn't have it. So uh, she was pulled early on and didn't get to see much more action the week throughout the weekend. So I could potentially see Lowe getting out there to get her some reps. As far as it goes offensively, I like. I would like to see some more ex- experimentation with maybe not necessarily who's in or who's out, but the order that you put it on. I know on Sunday – Carly McCondishy, uh, the the team leader in average, she's been hitting that ninth spot. So you basically have back to back leadoff hitters. They moved her up to the two spot uh, for the, for game three. So we'll see if maybe that sticks, or they move her back down to nine and see who else can fit towards the top of the lineup. It'll be interesting to see and what kind of experiments uh, Coach Dean has ready for us. Talking to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network and Wego ninety one point one FM Sports Director. Just one more thing before we let you get out of here, Jacob. Uh, your take on the Final Four this weekend, and ultimately who you got winning tonight? Yeah, it, it, it was a uh, it was a fun Saturday night. Obviously, the Kansas Villanova game it was a great performance from Kansas, just shooting lights out. 
And then just an all-time matchup between uh, Carolina and Duke. Uh, obviously, with Coach K losing like that, it, it, it's kind of it's crazy to think how that's how his career ends. But an amazing performance from Carolina throughout the month of March, really. And, you know, who do I have tonight? It's, it's hard to say. I think Kansas wins because I think the emotion emotional charge that is left over from Saturday night for Carolina might be too much to overcome. I, I'm, I would have been picking Kansas over Duke as well just because I think that that emotional, emotional high you have from Saturday night, I just don't think you're going to be able to really compose that and have that ready to go for Monday night. But this Carolina team is hotter than anyone in the country, and I could see them being the ones to do it. Well, Jacob, we appreciate your time today. If you have a chance to get on the broadcast for anything coming up for Auburn baseball or softball, good luck with that. Uh, let people know where they can keep up with you. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU. I will actually be on the call for Wednesday's game against Georgia State. So looking forward to that. But uh, thanks for having me on as always, Jacob, and War Eagle. Yep, War Eagle to you. That was Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network and Wego 91.1 FM sports director. He gets some play-by-play reps for Auburn baseball and softball over there. So always like to see him and, and listen to him on the call. He always gives us great great insight on Auburn baseball and softball. So we do thank him for his time here on the show. Let's take a break and we'll come back and wrap up the Monday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Monday edition of the show. Just a few more minutes before we get out of here, but make sure you stay tuned from 4 to 6. It'll be The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck, so make sure you stick around here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. For them, they will be on from 4 to 6 p.m., updating you on everything going on. They'll have some Auburn football insight and all that good stuff. So make sure you stay tuned and listen to The Drive from 4 to 6 p.m. right here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. I want to say thank you to Jacob Hillman. We just had him on uh, from the Auburn Sports Network to talk about Auburn baseball and softball. He broke down both of their series from the weekend, Auburn baseball beating LSU on the road and softball dropping their series to Florida at home. So thank you to him for coming on, as always, our good old Monday guest of Jacob Hillman. But just a few more minutes before 4 o'clock. Again, the drive coming on right after us. Some news uh, that broke just a little while ago. Florida uh, just lost a guy, their basketball team, in the transfer portal, Tyree Appleby. He is now in the transfer portal. He is a sixth-year senior, which is kind of crazy to think about, but he will be a sixth-year senior. He is now in the transfer portal. He will be leaving the Florida Gators. Uh, Last season, he averaged uh, just under 11 points a game, two rebounds, and almost four assists per game. And if you remember, when when, uh, Florida played Auburn, he usually has some decent success against Auburn. So not sure where he's going to go. Again, I just saw this news a little bit ago, but Tyree Appleby, he's a good little player. He can score. He's fast. He can handle the ball really well. So wherever he goes, he will be 
he will be extremely sought after and he will make an impact on whatever team he goes to again average just under 11 points and four assists a game last season for Florida so he will be a sixth year senior not sure where he's going to go that news just broke the article uh saying 16 minutes ago so that news just broke a little while ago and again not sure where he's going to go I, I would assume by tomorrow he will have a big list of of schools that have already reached out uh reached out to him about wanting to come and play obviously so we will see where he ends up but he's a good little impactful player man he, he's a baller first I mean he really is he he has torched Auburn more times than not uh when when Auburn faces off against Florida he did not start at Florida he's been at a couple different schools but he is now in the transfer portal and I talked about it earlier I mean there's over a thousand players in, in men's college basketball in the transfer portal and there's another one add it to the list and I mean that's just that's just what you're going to see from here on out um, in the game of college basketball. That's just how it's going to go, especially with this one-time transfer rule that's in place right now. It, this is just what you're going to see. And you can have a guy who transfers as a freshman after one year because he didn't like it, or you can have a guy like a Tyree Appleby who is going on his sixth year of college basketball, playing at his second or third different school, and says, look, I want to go somewhere else again. And now he can. And – Again, over a thousand players in the portal is kind of ridiculous. I mean, that's that's a lot of, of of players just in the college basketball game for the men's side. That's a lot of people in the portal. And I talked about it earlier. That's just another recruiting aspect that they're gonna have to work with for if you're a college coach and a college program. That's just something else you have to work with. And not just college basketball, college sports in general. I mean, you can't just focus on recruiting high school athletes anymore you can't because if you do if you just focus on high school athletes you're going to get burned because there's guys in the portal that make immediate impact look at Auburn Walker Kessler was a major impactful player out of the transfer portal Wendell Green Zeb Jasper Katie Johnson all of those guys are from the transfer portal and so you've got to be able to go and find these guys because they're out there and I've talked to some Auburn coaches about the transfer portal from different sports and and they said it's just it's insane how quickly players get contacted when they hit the portal I guarantee that news has been out about Tyree Appleby for about 12 to 13 minutes I guarantee there's probably 10 or 15 schools that have already reached out have already sent something to him that says hey we're interested because that's how fast it works that's how the transfer portal has been played out in college athletics you've got to get to these guys because they put their name in it goes into the system and coaches get updated immediately when a player goes into the portal and so when it comes to recruiting that's just a whole nother level of of recruiting and and trying to get players to come and play for your program so the transfer portal again college basketball over a thousand players are in the portal I'm not sure what the updated numbers on football is but uh, I just think it's interesting. I brought up the point earlier about the number of players in the portal for college basketball, and yet another big-time player from an SEC school puts his name out there. So Tyree Appleby from Florida, if you heard or if you did not hear, he is in the transfer portal as of about 15 minutes ago, the guard from Florida. He averaged just under 11 points a game and just under four assists a game and, and he's had a couple good games against Auburn so he is now in the transfer portal add him to the list of just all the college basketball players floating around out there in the portal 
It's going to get crazy and it's only going to get crazier and it's just going to get bigger and nastier if you ask me. So we'll see how it goes, but college athletes and college athletics, it's changing forever with the transfer portal. But that's going to do it for the Monday edition of On the Line. Come back in tomorrow, same time, same place. Stay safe. We'll talk to you later.